0: and hear all of these things that God's doing and be reminded of these prayer needs and even praises. So today, let's uh, let's open in prayer. And seriously, let's change our paradigm a little bit. You know, we, we pray all the time. We do. And a lot of us, we read the Word all the time, and we stay constantly in contact with uh, with God. And the question is, is I wonder if we ever get kind of mundane or become something just the norm, we just do it because, well, it's that time of the day and this is when I pray, or, well, it's what I'm supposed to do. Do you ever get excited to pray? Like, you get excited because you know you're going to be in His presence and you get to talk to Him again. But the God of all creation is taking time out for you. you ever thought about that? Maybe this morning we can think about that as we go in prayer, that, wow, the God who created everything is here. And he's taking time out of his busy week to stop and listen to you. And right now we're going to pray. And there's a reason why he's doing it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he's taking time out for us right now. Can you believe that? Is that not kind of an amazing thing? Shouldn't that shock us more? Seriously, shouldn't it excite us more? No way! Time for me to pray right here now? He's in the room? Right? Okay, before we go on and we pray, Corazon Beseda, all these other places, they got in trouble for something when Jesus walked by. What was it? I told some of the leaders this in the last week. What was it they got in trouble for? He said, Woe to you, Crazon. Woe to you, Beseda. Woe to you. It'd be better for Sodom in the end than for you, because you... Did not recognize the day I walked by. Isn't that a trip? Let's not miss out on when he walks by. Isn't that what needs to happen? We need to change our paradigm where we actually are more attentive and attuned to when he comes in a room. Don't you think? Seriously, guys. Is he real and alive or not? If he is real and alive, if he is in this room, If he does care about us, where the Bible says that two or more gathered in his name, he's in the midst of them, just like right now. In Jesus' name, he is here. If that is the case, then isn't that awesome? Isn't there something just, just numbing about it, exciting, stirring? He's in the room. Let's pray. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you will stir us. Help us to be awake in you. Help us to wake up to you help us not to miss the day that you walk by your visitations help us to hunger and thirst for your righteousness and for you and your kingdom and Lord we love you come Lord Jesus Lord hear the prayers we've just prayed meet the needs of those who are praying these prayers and asking these requests And come come mightily come in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we've been on this kingdom thing for a couple weeks, right? What have we talked about the last couple weeks, kingdom? It's the part where you tell me. What have we been talking about? What did we talk about last week, for instance? might remember any of the story? Adrian. Yeah, the kingdom has a disruptive, distracted power to it, and that we should be distracted. You guys, listen, probably I felt like one of the better things that God had done in me in the last year. So if you haven't heard it, go online, get the podcast, download it, and listen to that sermon. Um, If you're going to listen to anything that I personally have talked about, listen to that one. Because God's doing stuff in me in the middle of the sermon, just totally is messing with me, still messing with with me over that concept, which is going to bring us into this today. What did we talk about a couple weeks ago? We talked about that last week. What did we talk about a couple weeks ago? Our approach to God. Remember? Talked about the different ways we come toward Him. In that, we talked through a passage in Mark. I think it was Mark 10, right? And since we were there, we talked about being childlike in our approach. We're going to go back to childlike and just hang out there today because we dedicated a baby and I want to. All right? So... Matthew, let's look at 18. Matthew 18. I like this. So, Matthew 18, verse 1. Have you ever wanted to be the best at something? You ever wanted to be the best at something? We got a bowling team right now. Are not the best we want to be the best and, and, and this bowling team let me just say this first this bowling is saving my life it is just absolutely saving my spiritual life it's saving me all total because for the last while I've not had a good hobby, that, that, that's the truth my hobby has been like working with politicians and that's not a good thing I mean it's not a bad thing let me rephrase that I hope they're not listening Okay. It's not a good thing that it's my hobby. You know, i got to have something better than that as my hobby is what I mean. And and so that being the case, you know, I've been in kind of a dry place as far as hobbies. And you get busy. You know, this area has this ability and this way to just wear you down and kind of run you over and work you over. And then you're just tired. And you don't have any energy or time to do anything else. Well, Ashley and Ryan talked to me about bowling, being on this bowling league. And I was like, well, I taught church. I can treat it as if it's like one of those small group kind of situations. We won't do a Bible study necessarily at the bowling alley during the league, but we could play and build relationship. And in my mind, I felt like it was religious enough that I could warrant the activity. It's not religious at all. It's just fun, man. So anyway, just the interaction of just so many wonderful new friends and, and faces. And we just have the greatest time. We joke a lot. And Lydia gets lots of laughs. And, um, and Anna, well, she watches movies. So... Because we're not that good, we're entertaining. (laughs) But anyway, so this this has been just the most fun thing. And I'll tell you why it's been kind of my saving thing. Because I'd gotten so ingrained in the current world that I was burning out and not knowing it. I was doing too much and I wasn't taking time to settle down and regain focus. And even in some ways meditate. Now, I know you're thinking, you meditate during bowling? I have to meditate while I'm bowling or I will not bowl well. I have to talk to God because I need external help when I bowl. I'm not good. So anyways, um, I'm talking to the Lord, and I find myself working on my focus. I'm working on my stance. I'm working on my, my swing. It, it feels like that the motion is like kicking a football. And when I can get into that place where it's the same steps and the same swing, I can nail some strikes. Now, what I've learned in the last couple weeks, two weeks ago, I hit seven strikes in one game. I had two turkeys, which is three strikes in a row. It was awesome, you know. wasn't the highest score because I wasn't on my pickup game. I haven't learned how to pick up all the spares. But I'm getting there. But I was in the place where I could feel the kicking thing take place. I told you, you guys, I told you over and over. Like when I kick a football or soccer ball, I can do it with my eyes closed. Well, same thing with bowling. When you feel that motion, there's something about it that coach ingrained in me. Probably because he beat me. I'm just kidding. So, I'm not kidding. I am kidding. But anyway, so, I'm, you know, I'm bowling, and I'm bowling, and it feels like the swing of my leg, and I'm nailing it, and I'm there. And then last week happened where I've got a million different things going on. I'm distracted. I'm overwhelmed. The loan hasn't closed yet. It didn't do right, and things were an issue. Work was a struggle at the end of the quarter. Have you been here? Have you felt this before? And everything seemed to be crushing down on me a little bit. And I get to the bowling alley, and I just can't, I can't get out of it. And I start learning the second lesson. So the first lesson is how to focus. I didn't realize I was so out of focus that I couldn't feel the motion of my body anymore. It took me a long time to get back to where I was doing things almost with my eyes closed, you know. And then this last week, it really was hammered into me that I had a problem getting settled enough that I could disconnect from what was just outside the doors. Now, there's an important thing to this. If we don't understand how to get out of the current crushing world, even in the middle of the crushing, so that we can focus and so that we can disconnect and rest, then what happens, dads? We take this home with us, don't we? We don't even know we're not disconnected, and then what happens? We bring it right into our house. We're ill at the kids. Our wife is an issue. This is a problem. That's a problem. Things are breaking. Why is everything going wrong? Well, guess what? In that microcosm, it's not all going wrong. Is it? It's not. That's coming from a place that's outside the doors. And if we can learn to disconnect and focus and settle in, then that doesn't have to bother us, nor does it change who we are or who our kids are. Are you hearing this? This is deep stuff. I'm talking deep into who we are. This is what I'm learning. Is that not kicking? And I'm learning to turn it off. Not well, but slowly. It's baby steps like Kevin says. Just baby steps. Just my next baby step. I'm working on it. Why is this important? Because I think this very process of this approach to my bowling is the same process that we're going to find in here in approaching God. It's necessary to focus and settle and rest and disconnect from our current reality at some points in order to become let's read Matthew eighteen. At the at that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, the first thing I need to ask before we finish this passage is, where in Jesus' reality does the kingdom of heaven exist? In Jesus' perspective, because he's talking, he talks from his perspective, right? So this is out of Jesus' mouth. From his perspective, where is the kingdom? Right there. You're looking at it. He is the kingdom. The kingdom is within arm's reach. Those guys don't know, but they can reach over and grab his arm if they need him. You're it. Peter found out when he was dipping down in the water. help. And the kingdom reached out and grabbed him and pulled him out within arm's reach. You get it? Within arm's reach, the kingdom was right there. It's just like I talked about last week, right? The kingdom was right there. And Jesus is saying, you'll never enter this. What is this? What is the kingdom? What's the kingdom? This is just so easy. It's ridiculous. And you know what? We adults, we just don't get it. That's the point. I don't fully get it. I'm going to talk about it today and tell you the truth. I'm trying my best to get it. I'm going to have to dumb it down to myself to get it. I'm just not that smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You nailed it. It's his presence. So here's this little kid in the midst of them, and Jesus says, unless you're like this little kid, you're never going to get me. Isn't it wild they're sitting there right there with him, and they didn't even have him? Are you getting that? How do you do that? How can you sit in the same place as a person and not have access to him? How can you sit right there with God himself and have conversation, relationship, And not really have relationship. What's the holdup in them, folks? Why is it they can't get the kingdom? Yeah, there's self, there's motives, there are things that are unseen. There's probably sin that's selfish or self fulfilling. There are walls. They've had other guys rise up and try to be revolutionaries, and this is just one more on the list. And I just don't know if it's him. Yet that child enters that circle. What's that kid see? Jesus. The guy that's really cool. When he touches people, they get eyeballs in their head. You know how kids are. You know. Kids, kids Kids are like this. You know, Paul prays for the guy and the scales come off their eyes. The kids be picking them up and put them in Ziploc bags for later. I wonder why Paul didn't do it. See, this is what they look like, you know. I mean, that's what I would have done, Scrapbook them bad boys. I'm just, telling you. I'm just telling you, I mean, that's how we kids think, right? That's so cool, you know? Not that the guy could see, but that junk fell off his eyes. Are you getting me? There's some naivety there. There's some honesty there. There's some lack of fear there. Aunt Elizabeth, love her heart. That kid has no fear. She scares me with how little fear she's got. Yesterday, we were at this pumpkin thing. I mean, this kid, she shoots the pumpkin gun. Boom! Other kids are in the corner. And it's like, can I do it again? Like, no big deal. I think she's deaf or something. But she just, it doesn't bother her. You know, woo! It may be, maybe it's just the redneck DNA taking over. <laughs> I knew it would come at some point. We're pumpkin chunking, populist. I totally expect her to spit at some point afterwards, right? <laughs> so we're sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, this kid has no fear. I mean, she goes up in the castle thing, and, and like, she's climbing the ladder. in the center of it, she's three. She climbed a straight-up ladder. I didn't know she was doing this because I'd have been there going, no, no, Aunt Elizabeth. You can't do that. You'll fall. She's three. She did. She climbed a straight-up ladder up in the top of this thing. And the thing is just short of uncle david's height he's watching her doing it i blame him he's like did you see what she did i was like no he goes she climbed up that ladder went there's a ladder in there he goes yeah i was like what are you doing Okay, she made it (laughs) as if it's okay because she didn't die you know okay so whatever but she has no fear children have no fear innately they're just born into a place when they're born into a safe space we actually have to teach them not to talk to strangers, right? So now Anna walks through and she goes, Mommy, is that a stranger? And I'm like, shh. People are looking, you know, yeah, they're strange. <laughs> no, 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 no. And then and then she's like, I can't talk to them because they're a stranger and it's danger. And I'm like, shh, you know. There's a whole other talk we need to have later, right? This is how you don't offend everyone in the world as I cover up my tapestry shirt, right? Jeez, what are we teaching our kids? Well, we have to teach them these things. And there's no fear in access. And you know what? They don't understand that you can't let it all hang out. You can't be honest as you are. I'm telling you, folks, it's just truth. Anna, yesterday, bless her heart, gets hay down in her pants. You already know where this is going. I'm like, no! Poppy, I got hay. I got hay. I was like, you will wait to get it out. You know, Lori's like, let me help it to look better. I said, please, you know. I'm just telling you, kids. And you guys, I'm telling you, it it may sound goofy, it may sound funny, but is that not what Jesus means exactly? Don't you think that's his heart? Just come how you are. Come as you are. Isn't it amazing that when we go to visit somebody that's very important in the world We dress up for them. You know, when I'm in Kenya or I'm in another country and I'm meeting someone important, I wear a suit and tie. And, you know, because of you guys, last year for my birthday, I got a really nice suit that I'm afraid to wear. Never had a suit like that, you know. Afraid to wear it. Wall Street, I'd be fine. Main Street, not so much. So anyways, I got this suit that I wear to go meet with people. It's important because of y'all. Thank y'all. I do appreciate it even though it scares a fool out of me, right? So I get the suit on, I get gussied up, and I go to meet them. You know, it doesn't take much to do the hair, but the rest takes a little while. So I get, I get ready, and I go, I go meet with them. And the whole time I'm very uncomfortable as I am carrying a facade. What I'd rather do is just be me. And when they talk to me, do you know what I do? I'm very self-deprecating in some ways. I'll talk to them about what issues there are at hand, and I'll say... When I was out doing this, and they'll go, you clean sores on people's feet? Yeah, I do. You stay in their houses? Yeah, I do. What's the problem? You won't. Maybe you need to get back down with your folks and get to know them. Make you a better leader, wouldn't it? Hello. That's right. That's the stuff we're saying. And so, guys, let me tell you something. Kids don't have it. They don't have that at all. Just look at my childhood pictures when mom put me in the polka dot suit. I had no clue. (laughs) True story. There are pictures. So the truth is is that we focus so much on that outward that it makes it hard on God. How many people do you know that when you talk to them about God, they say, I want to know God, or I want to go to church, or I want to be a Christian, or I want to follow Jesus, or whatever, but i got to get things in order. Tons. I hear it all the time, and I'm like, really? No, you don't. Come as you are. Come as you are, little child. I've not seen Jesus yet look at a little child and say, get out of here, you disgust me. Because that's just not what he does, is it? Suffer all the little children to come to me. So let's, let's look here. It says then, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so what does he mean by Humility. Because children innately don't think, I'm going to be humble now. Do they? They brag. Don't they? My dad's going to beat up your dad. My shoes are better than your shoes. My shoes have running power, they make me run faster. And then the other one says, My shoes have jumping power. With my shoes, I can jump and dunk a basketball. And then what happens next? Prove it. You first. <laughs> You know how it works? Is that humility? No. So, you know, but in naivety, it doesn't count. What is humility here in this? You help me. What's humility? That's correct. But what does it mean to be humble here? Even deeper. Thank you, Patrick. What does it mean to be humble here? What do you think? You can say anything. Guess what? There's a lot of answers, and they're not going to be wrong. If it is, I'll just say, you're wrong. and no, I'm just kidding. I won't say that. But what, do you, what is it? Say again? Yeah. And you know they don't even know what they've got. What, what else is it? Being yourself. Yeah, well, God, that's, actually, that's really, yeah. Both of those are really good. I hadn't thought of those. It, being yourself what else yeah simple obedience right just simple obedience didn't work through the list didn't check off the checklist whatever right isn't that amazing just simple obedience what else That's my favorite. They know where they end and where dad starts. Whenever we do things in our power, what result do we get? We've talked about this before. I just want to remind us. What result do we get when we do things in our power? Our results. They're our sized. What results do we get when we go to our dad? Dad's results. They're dad-sized. I want... God's results, God-sized. In this day and time, there's a lot of folks that believe that God's results are over and they don't work anymore. But I live in a place where I think it's necessary to have God-sized results, or I won't make it anymore. Right? God results. And so these kids are innately humble because they know where they're in, they know where God starts. They don't even know the power they got in them, and they just... You know, and they, geez, they're just themselves. Isn't that amazing? It's just, they just are who they are. There's no shame. And so then it goes on to say this. And whoever welcomes me or welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Wow. Now, at this point, I just want to take a second and look at our responsibility to our kids. Who do you think the most important people are in the church today? Is it the paying crowd? You know what I'm talking about when I say the paying crowd? The ones that keep the lights on here, you're the paying crowd. You keep the lights on. In most churches, we cater everything we do to you because you're important. However, I'm going to tell you something very important you need to understand now. You are not the most important in the church. Our kids are. And our place as a people of God is to invest everything we are into these little ones so that they become double who we are. And I want to say something right now. I am very sorry, and I apologize on behalf of all the pastors that you sat under because you did not get that largely, most likely. Most likely, the church you were in was working for the people who voted on the Sunday business meeting or who paid the bills, or who kept the building open. But i got to tell you something, church. That is not the truth of the kingdom. Because in the kingdom, what's most important is that these guys get the stuff so they become greater than we are. And if we keep living for ourselves as the people of God, we will be ruined. And we, it would be better if millstones were around our necks and us thrown into the river. And as a papa in this house, I live to make sure my kids have something better. Every single morning I get up on a Sunday morning, I think to myself, I really don't want to set up and tear down this week. I think, I'm going to, because in 10 years it'll be left for them. And in 30 years it'll still be standing. And when I'm gone, it'll be more. And they will lead it. You get it? I've gotten my part. Now it's time to invest in them. And that's what Jesus is saying. And there's something very powerful about that agreement in the body. Understanding that this is not for me anymore. I live to be a missional person, to give back to the world around me. I am not going to be an American consumer any longer. Right? I'm not going to be bought and sold for what comes on TV. Or what Hollywood says is cool. Or what the magazine says is on sale this week. I will live not for the next cool item I get. That is not where I'll find my joy any longer, whether or not I have a a Gucci or I have whatever else. I will make sure that I live every single moment as a compassionate anti consumer or giver that invests in the next generation, that makes sure that there's more for them when I'm gone. Guys, let me ask you a question before we go towards the closing area of this sermon. I know we don't like this. What are you getting at, PD? Do you want us to build out the children's ministry? Heck, yes. What do you want? A big place with a slide. A line, and puppets and a junior high worship team that leads for the kids. That's my vision. That's my vision for the church. Love y'all. That's okay. I'll hang out in here with you guys as they have all the cool stuff out there too. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll go out there and hang out with them sometimes. (laughs) But here's the thing. I just, I'm so over. I'm so over us thinking it's all about us and all for us. And what's wrong inside of our culture today, and I'll just be honest with you, is we're in a season where it hurts in finance. I work in finance, so please hear me from the financial side just for a second. From a a United States point of view, and from the point of view of what would fix our economy, the one thing that would fix our economy is if we gussied up and realized we need to tighten up our belts and live through some austerity. Now, the UK is getting this, and some of Europe is doing austerity measures. It's making them very unpopular in their governments, but we're not. What are we doing? We're actually creating opportunities to stir up more spending so that it picks up our economy. But the only way you can do that is by not saving and creating more debt. Listen to me. I'm not preaching economy or our government. I'm preaching the spirit that's behind it today. I haven't heard anyone saying, for the most part, you guys, sometimes we can't consume right now so that the kids that come after us have it better. Sometimes we can't have everything we want immediately because we don't believe in microwave theology or microwave grace. Sometimes it has to oven cook and it has to soak and simmer in a pot. Sometimes we can't get all of our needs met immediately because we know that it's better to take the hit so that the next generation can get theirs met and that they can be taken care of. Sometimes we have to assume that it's better for us to take the hard part of life so that the next generation will have it better. And let me ask you a question: Isn't that what happened in World War II in America when everyone dropped everything and headed over to help other countries that were far away? Right after everybody was saying we don't have to do that anymore, and fought and died. Where some of my family died. And if you guys, if you want to get angry at me, get angry at the blood that's in my veins because it's my great uncle that put up the flag at Iwo Jima. That thing you see down there at the Marine Corps base, that was him. That's my family. And that's in my blood. That's in my veins too, right? That heartbeat, and here's the heartbeat. That was the greatest generation that ever lived, and I'll tell you why. Because they did what was necessary. They didn't ask what the country could do for them, but what they could do for their country. And they left in sacrifice, and they served, and they lost some of them all, including their lives, And then you know what people did here? They buckled up their belts and they went over and they started to do amazing things. Like my grandmother moved to Baltimore, Maryland and started working in a factory because the guys were gone. She left the farm and worked in a factory until they came back. And then she gave up her job and came back home. That's amazing. And this season, God's calling us to the same kinds of things for this next generation. I don't know what it looks like. It won't look like that, but it may look like heading down with Birchie to inner city and helping these kids learn how to get their GED or how to learn to do math. That's awesome. Maybe it's doing some more outreach like we used to with GSF, and we got to get out there and just play with kids because they haven't seen good, healthy play in a long time because people are worried about where they're going to get their next drugs or where they're going to get their next job. It's mix, Or it may be here where we decide we do things that are necessary to develop the young people that are around us. And guys, I'm not just talking about the children, children. I'm talking about anybody that's student age. My challenge to us as a church now is this. Number one, we recognize how we need to come to God. As a child, we humble ourselves in this childlike way, and then we we start looking at the children around us as blessings and invest in them. Today, this message is really for, this message is for Catherine, you know? So if you don't like it, it's okay. I'm preaching it for her. Does that make sense? This message today is for Leo. Now, if you don't like it, that's okay because it's for Leo. This message today is for, it's for Lydia. And if you don't like it, it's okay because we need to hear this. Because it's for her. And the Bible says that there'll be a child... Who leads us? And a child will lead them. Right? And the last thing, as the worship team comes, i got to say this one more thing. I've been stirred up because, you guys, can I tell you something? I'm the pastor that never planned to be a pastor. I haven't said this in a while, and I'm going to say it so some of you new guys know me, because you guys don't know the real me. You need to know the real me. I'm actually an eternal youth pastor that was forced to pastor I was a youth pastor in a church. I remember at one point I was so upset because we weren't building the youth the right way. We weren't developing them, and it was all about the adults. That I said, someday I will be the kind of pastor that I've always needed as a youth pastor. Now, I've been in children's ministry and youth ministry primarily. I've done everything else but, except for women's ministry. But those are my two primaries for good reason. I don't have the hair. Just kidding. <laughs> At least that's what Anna thinks, right? <laughs> so anyways, the truth is, is that I, I really still have that at heart. If, if I would have found the right fit, I probably would have stayed youth pastor forever. But I didn't. I didn't have the support necessary. And I knew someone was going to have to create a place that would support that kind of ministry, that would invest everything it was into young people and develop them. So I decided that that's what this would be. So you've been tricked. We exist for the next generation. And to give back... Right? Does that make sense? So with that said, I, I, once in a while I'll scan through the internet and, um, and check things out. Now, I was pointed towards some videos by, um, by Fred, who is ever the optimist and ever the seeker. And so I found myself, he did this video, you guys might see it later, we may do it in church one week, it's pretty awesome. But anyways, um, that video got me to looking for other videos out there about what, what's going on and stirring in the youth movements and there are a few churches, or a couple different churches where God's moving. Now listen to me clearly. These churches are not vineyard, and there's stuff in them that is not my exact theology. Is that okay with y'all? Is it okay for me to tell you that it's not my exact theology and it's not the way I do it, but they got revival in their kids, man. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time. It was, start, it was really starting to break out in Lakeland, but that kind of got crushed. But this, this is exciting. I'll tell you why. Because these kids get on fire, and they get excited, and then they're on the streets. So I'm watching these videos, <laughs> and I'm watching this one young person. He's got, like, dreads and this bandana thing. And you could tell this kid hasn't hardly been off the streets but a few weeks probably. And he's just, like, crazy for Jesus. I mean, maybe he's known Jesus for a couple years, but he hasn't been far into it because the church hasn't affected him too much yet. So he's, like, running around, and he's on video. I think they probably video on TBN or something like that. And he's like in the middle of these um, these malls. And I wish I had this video. I'll show you later, I promise. But he's a strip mall area, and he's just, he's witnessing to people. And then he's like, you know, Jesus loves you, man. He really loves you. I'm serious like God. He's so awesome like that. And I'm going, I love kids and youth. <laughs> so anyways, he says, dude, like what happened to your leg, man? And this guy's got like two crutches and his legs wrapped up. He goes, yeah, I was in a fight the other night, bar fight, and, this guy's, like, all pierced up. He's got, like, everything. I was in this bar fight, and, and so, uh, yeah, it tore ligaments in my leg. Doctor says it'd be six weeks or more till it's healed up. I've had all this damage. Da It's real swollen up bad. Kid's like, dude, man, can I pray for it? Jesus can heal it. He wants to heal your leg, man. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm watching this thinking this is great. This guy's like, uh, okay. And so he says, All right, all right, let me pray for it. Jesus, heal his leg, God. And then he starts this. I can't even replicate the prayer. I just know that this is the junk. By this point, my hair is standing up. I'm going, Oh, God, you're doing it. You're moving again. It's always the young people, isn't it? It's always the young people that get it first. They get stirred up first. That's why I'm so, I told you guys this before. I believe in the young people. So, anyways, he's praying for it. And he goes, Dude, do you feel anything, man? The guy's like, uh, no. He's like, heat? Do you feel heat? And he goes, oh, it, it, it is a little warm. And he goes, right, man. Jesus healing. And he goes, do you feel any pain, man? There's no pain, right? And the guy's like, actually, the pain is gone. And he goes, dude, do me a favor. Like, get off your crutches. And the guy's like, what? And he says, dude, just just, just give him your crutches and walk with me. He's like, all right. And so he hands off his crutches. Guys, you're watching it right there live. It's so, it's so precious. And so the kid hands off, the guy, it's not a kid, this guy pierced up and tattooed and everything else, hands off his crutches, and he's like, what? And people are, like, coming up. I mean, like, kids are running up inside and They're like, dude. And so there's, like, shirts and everything. People are, like, kind of excited. And The guy goes, Jesus totally healed your leg, man. Take the bandage off. Show us, man. Show us. And he goes, well, uh, he, the guy goes, well, it was really swollen, and, and da, 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 he's taking off, and he's backtracking. Like, he's trying to prove, I had a bad leg. Like, he feels like people are going to think he's crazy because his leg's not hurting. He takes it off, and guys, he says, dude, pull your shorts up and show, show, man. Jesus healed your knee, like that. And then he shows both his knees, and sure enough, the same on both sides. The guy's like, no way, right? And he's like, my knee's totally better, man. And he goes, you know why? Because Jesus loves you, man. God loves you. Wow. Right? Now I'm going to have to make a trip out to meet that kid. I'm just telling you. Because to be a kid at heart, you got to want the same. When you see God moving in that kind of stuff, you got to want it. Childlike hearts, you're like, that's fun, I want to do it too. You see a slide? How many people think when Anna sees that big slide at Butler's Orchard, she's gonna let everybody else slide on it, not her? <laughs> she will drag me down. <laughs> she's pretty strong too. She's dragging me yesterday. I was like, good law, you're heavy. You know? A lot harder than it used to be. I mean, seriously, you guys actually think you can hold Connor back? There's just no way. Get him! Get never mind. He's Connor. He's got super skills and abilities. That kid is fast, man. You cannot catch him. Kids don't care. Nothing to hold them back. When they see it, they want it. Guys, I'm telling you something. That's what Jesus is talking to you about. When you see it, want it. When you see the kingdom, want it. When you see it right there in the middle of you, don't sit back and think, well, that's Jesus, and I have these walls. That's Jesus. i got to bring something to him. That's Jesus. i got to prove something to him. That's what the disciples were doing. That's Jesus. Maybe he's a revolutionary. Just come and say, that's Jesus. And get up in that circle and get near him and grab onto him and sit on his lap, man. You get it? That's what Jesus is doing today. He's saying, come as a child. Have the kingdom. It's available. And then lastly, like I said, for us to be the kind of people that invest in that generation so they become who they called to be. Amen? How many people, as you stand up today, how many people in here want God to do something more than what we've seen? How many of you would love to see that kind of excitement in our young people and in us ourselves for Jesus? Where We're on the streets somewhere. They're in California on the streets. I think California is a tough state to break through. But what if you're in, a, in this state and you've got that fire? Wouldn't that be awesome? I want it. Come on. Today, as we close this service, we're going to have time for you to get prayer. We're going to pray for each other. I'm probably going to get prayer from somebody else here in a minute, myself, because I want more. And and guys, let me tell you something. I'll do anything to become that child again. How about you? How about you? Let's pray. Jesus, Lord God. Help us to get that childlikeness again. Give us that fire, that passion for you. Where all of the fetters fall off. All of our reservations just disappear. Where everything that holds us back just kind of fades away in the background. And it's just you. It's Jesus. He can put eyeballs back in people's heads. Jesus, he can seek and save. Jesus, he can do anything. Moving mountains, he can do it all. Jesus, Lord, help us to see you that way again. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll take the self-centered consumeristic stuff out of us and help us live investing ourselves in this next generation giving everything we are to make sure they're called and they become who they're called to be so that they will know how to do it for the generation after them, teaching them how to walk this way so that for generations on there'll be a lasting effect not just so that we can get what we want please Jesus change our hearts as a people please change us as a nation and forgive us God for consumerism, forgive us God for self-centeredness Forgive us, God, for even destroying and and, and killing. And God, give us a heart to build and live and grow and give. In Jesus' name.